Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. So once I made my mind up to join the Army National Guard, there was one thing uh, that flooded my mind, one thing I had more questions than answers about, and I would ask everybody who I thought maybe would uh, be able to shed light into this one question, and to be honest, I was just preoccupied, and it seems to be the one thing that stops many people from actually joining the military. Going to war? Nope. What my job's going to look like? No. How much money will I make? Nope. The overriding concern for me was boot camp. All right? What is that going to look like? Where you sign away all of your rights for nine weeks. And all of us have seen TV shows. We've seen what drill sergeants look like. And we just wonder, I mean, what is this actually going to be like? Are they really going to get this close from your face and yell at you? Are they going to really not let you sleep? Are they, you know, on and on and go? I mean, that's all I could think about, you know, or can you really not call home? And it just, it preoccupied my mind. What I find interesting when it comes to, to basic training, boot camp, and all of that is nobody ever talks about this period called being a hold over. Not under, hold over. You see, I had to show up about two weeks early before basic training. What do you do during that time? Well, you can't call home. You're, you're in the military, but you're not in basic training yet. You haven't reported. You still have to do the things. This is where you get all of your stuff. You go and sign all the paperwork and all of this. But what I find so interesting is nobody ever talks about the hold over status. Right? All you focus about is where you're going, right? Like the end. You look at, I'm going to go to basic training. We really don't focus on the intermediate part, right? It doesn't seem to matter. And it wasn't until the sermon I even remembered that I went through that. But that's two weeks that didn't count towards the nine weeks and then the other weeks. Just two weeks of temporary holdover type. But you see... That temporary aspect, that intermediate place, that non-final destination, that's all heaven is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're starting our new series called, Will You Pick? Where you have asked questions and we're going to give you answers and there's one more card in the bulletin or the worship guide. This will be your final week to ask questions as we go over this topic today because overwhelmingly... We were asked more questions about heaven by far than any other uh, topic. So let's talk about it. You ready? Yes? Yeah, some feedback would be helpful. I mean, it's heaven. Like this, if anything should be exciting, this is that topic, right? Let's talk about heaven. I like the way Wayne Grudem defines heaven. He says this. He says, heaven is the place where God most fully makes known his presence to bless. 
I like that definition. I think it's super helpful as we talk about what heaven is because generally when we talk about heaven, we're talking about the place where God dwells, somewhere up there, right? Isaiah 66, um, 1 says this. says, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Matthew 6, 9 says this. We got a lot of scripture today, folks, just letting you know. This then is how you should pray, our Father in yeah, heaven, hallowed be your name. Next verse, 1 Peter 3, 21 through 22 says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand. We'll talk about that later. Someone asked about that. With angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So what is heaven? Heaven is the place of God's throne. Heaven is the place where Jesus said he was going and is where Jesus is currently residing, which means heaven is an actual physical place. Or sometimes we hear these things that heaven's just in our mind or we're going to be in this disembodied state or whatever. I'm not too sure. But according to the biblical, right, what the Bible says about it is heaven is a real, literal place, a location. And while we don't know everything we want to know about heaven, the Bible does tell us quite a bit about it. You see, what we learn about in scriptures is heaven is the place where this stuff is at. Look at this. Heaven is the place where our treasures are stored. Well, should be stored, by the way. Matthew 6, 20 says, but store up for yourself treasures in, say it with me. What is the word? Heaven. There we go. Where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Heaven is the place where our citizenship is located. Yeah, citizenship is located. Philippians 3, 20 Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, all right, he's coming back, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is the place where our inheritance is kept. Yep, 1 Peter 1, 4 says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, right? And last one we're going to look at is, heaven is the place where our hope is laid up. Colossians 1.5 says, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in yeah, heaven and about what you have already heard, the true message of the gospel. So heaven is the place where all of that is, and it, and it makes perfect sense considering Christians are planning on or hoping to or want to go to heaven. Luckily, Jesus tells us that, right? John says this, John 14. It says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm, what I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So heaven, heaven is a real place, not just a mental state. What we go because Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's saying he's preparing a place for us. That's where our treasure is. That's where our inheritance is. That's where our hope is. And that's where we are ultimate citizens of. Kind of just an overview. That's what heaven is. So let's go ahead and answer a question that was asked several times. I don't know what's going on in Sunday school classes, but the question was asked, are there levels in heaven? The answer, no. Probably, I got to throw that in there because I'm not God, just to let you know. Are there heaven? No is my answer. Probably, God can do what he wants. We have to always remember that. 
Probably not. Not that we know of. There's no reason to think there are different levels in heaven. They get that from this. It's 2 Corinthians. Paul says this. Paul says, and again, we can teach this a little more fully later on, but it's Paul talking about he was called up to the heavens. He's talking about himself and he's speaking in the third person. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up into the third heaven. That's where we go. Are there multiple heavens? Are there, you know, what does it look like? Are there levels? And then he says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was called up to, what's this called? Paradise, right. And I heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, two things. First, we see that Paul says when he was called up there, he heard things that he couldn't tell us about. And I'm assuming he couldn't, uh, excuse me, it's not only what he heard he couldn't tell us about, it's the things he saw he couldn't tell us about. Why do I suspect that? Well, because Paul never tells us about heaven. John does, but Paul doesn't. Paul doesn't explain these things, the place he went. He says he doesn't talk about it. What Paul is talking about here, this idea of third heaven is directly related to this right here. Paradise. He's saying third heaven, talking about this idea of paradise. You see in the Old Testament, there are several passages that speak about the highest heaven. You see, the Old Testament broke it into three parts. They'd use, because of course they didn't have science, right? They would call the atmosphere what? Heaven. Where the stars are located, they would call what? Heaven, but then the highest heaven, the third, one, two, three, the third heaven where paradise is, saying that the top one, the biggest one, up there, it's, there's tons of reference in the Old Testament to three levels, just they're trying to explain, they don't have the words for it, right? They didn't know atmosphere, they didn't know that kind of thing. So the spiritual heaven where God is. So he's making it clear that when he was caught up here, he didn't just go hang out in the stars. He was in paradise. He was with God. He's saying, I was in that place. Now, there are sources that tell us that ancient rabbis believed some in five levels of heaven, some in seven levels, some even 10. But biblically... We don't use Apocrypha as the standard of faith. We don't use old rabbis' thoughts. We use those things to help us understand the common worldview of the time. But those aren't biblical, right? The Bible doesn't speak to anything other than this one place where God is. Make sense? Biblically, there's just heaven where God is. And what Paul's directly talking about here, he's just talking about paradise where God is. Because here's the thing, it doesn't really matter. Heaven is temporary. Heaven's just an immediate place. We're not staying there. Because usually when we talk about heaven, I mean, I've heard it. I've used the language you have too. We talk about going up to heaven for eternity, but that's not biblical. This is where what we hear about and the Bible come clashing together and we get to have even more fun today. First, another question was asked is this, are we immediately in heaven when we die? Yes. Probably, I should have put next to it. Probably. The Bible seems to speak that absent from the body. Well, you know the verse. Let's look at it in King James. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be 
Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We all know that in King James language, don't we? Yeah, absent from the body is present Lord. So it's seemingly that heaven, when we, when we die, you and I and our loved ones before us, they direct, go directly to be with the Lord. But it's not our final destination. It's a temporary place. Look at this verse. Revelation 6.10 says this. They called out in a loud voice. This is the martyrs. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. I'm going to bring this back up, but here's what's very interesting. Heaven isn't the place that we don't remember anything. Heaven isn't the place that like our memories wiped. Heaven is the place where God is. Heaven is the place where God's doing what? God is planning God is having his purposes come out, right? If we know that in the beginning God created and then God tells us how it's gonna end, how do you think it gets to the end? God's plans and purposes. We believe God's alive and active, right? See, this is where I'm gonna catch you. What you think about God and what he's doing in heaven is probably directly related to what you think he's doing here on earth and how he's involved. But God is planning on judging and redeeming and trying to bring all people to the knowledge of Christ. Look at this quote. I like this from Michael Byrd. He says, moreover, when heaven is mentioned in scripture, it's not described primarily as a destination, complete with stars, angels playing harps, and celebrities who snuck past St. Peter. It is rather a hidden dimension. Listen to this. This, this. this should expand your mind. It is rather a hidden dimension of ordinary life. Ordinary life. God's dimension. The control room. I love that. The control room of the universe where God's plans are laid bare like a map on a table. Remember, God is active and alive. I say that phrase all the time because many Christians, we don't believe that. We have this different view of God. But according to the Bible, God is alive and active and moving. And God is, has plans and purposes. And he's uh, moving. And so I ask, what's your picture of heaven? Is your picture of heaven where you are removed from this earth and you have wings and you have harp? And what one scholar calls it blissful boredom. Or is your picture of heaven the place where God is moving, the control room? Think operations, think logistics, think heaven being the place where the prayers are being heard and God orchestrating events and he's moving and active and doing things. Here's another, ver- another quote by Michael Bird. He says this, he said, when John the seer, which talking about um, the John, who wrote uh, Revelation, when John the seer receives a vision of heaven in Revelation 4 through 5, it's like he's summoned to be crossed between a military headquarters and the throne room of a monarch. It's a mixture of planning for the full-scale invasion of this world. This guy is amazing with language. I love it. Full-scale invasion with this world combined with worship that abounds in symbols, metaphors, and visions that language stretches properly to describe. Look, I know many of you want me to preach all the way through Revelation. We're not doing that on Sunday morning. But it's important to understand that most of the language there, John's going, I I just don't have the language to describe what's going on. But heaven is the place where people are longing for the future state to worship our Lord. 
As we talked about, singing and praising God is what we will be doing for eternity, which means you may want to learn some new songs. Because I know you love those songs, but singing them for forever, you may want to learn some new ones. Get some ones out. That's what we're doing here at First Baptist. We're preparing you for heaven, giving you a full range, going, yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. Remember, Jesus is coming back. Remember, biblically, it says that God is coming to set the world straight, and heaven is our temporary place, the temporary abode before God does the final big thing where God brings heaven to where? Earth. Our final destination is a new heaven and a new earth. It's talked about both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Isaiah 65 says this. Isaiah 65, 17 says, See, this is the Lord talking. I will create new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 66, 22. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, and he keeps going. But the point is, there is a new heaven and a new earth. The New Testament picks up on the same thing. Look what Peter says. Peter says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. It's pretty clear where the righteous dwells. And I think I got one more for you. Yes, Revelation 21, 21 1 through 2 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Then I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bright, beautifully dressed, uh, beautiful, yeah, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, her husband. However it works, heaven is coming down to earth. And in that, there's going to be this newness. There's a ton of different theories about how that's going to happen, whether he's wiping out them all, creating new, or whether he's renewing all of them together. But what I find interesting, to pick up on what I talked about earlier, it's at this place and at this time. Well, look at Isaiah 65. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But when is this? New heavens and new earth. Not heaven. When God does that final thing. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. This is right after that verse we read about the, new, the heaven and the earth coming together. And what this seems to be saying is this idea that we won't remember anything in heaven is not a biblical idea. It's when the new creation comes. Because we see in Revelation 6.10, the martyrs are crying out what? Lord, when are you going to avenge us? Now, how would a martyr cry out, Lord, when are you going to avenge us if they don't remember that they were martyred for the Lord? They can't. So they're up there. It seems like heaven is the place where people are longing, Lord, when are you going to set the world straight? When are you going to do? We see your plans. We see your purposes. We see you're moving. You're active. When are you going to bring this all about? So it seems that in heaven, we're quite aware of what's going on and what's happening. It doesn't mean, by the way, not scaring anybody. It doesn't mean when we're heaven, we're God, and we then can see everything going on in the world. Does that make sense? God, I don't know how it works, but I'm not saying we turn into God, so don't worry about 
your loved ones passed away watching everything you're doing. I don't think it works that way, right? I guess what works is this verse. The former things will no longer be remembered, nor will they come to mind. What it seems to be saying is that because of the beauty and the majesty of our Lord, when God does his final thing, when we see all that, all that past stuff won't matter anymore. I know we think of that little device from Men in Black. Y'all seen Men in Black? We get to heaven, we're going to get scanned, boop, and then we don't remember anything. That's not what it is. It's more of after, again, I've never experienced this, bear with me, after a, um, after a, a woman has a child, all that pain and all that anxiety that the husband, I mean, that the wife felt, yeah, all of that seems to go away instantly. I'm, forgive me, ladies, you, just bear with me with the illustration, when they see that little baby, that little baby seems to wipe out everything else that just, I mean, just happened. And that, that's what I suspect is going on when God creates this newness. The beauty and the majesty, everything else, will be so overwhelmed with God. That's not that we have our brains wiped. It's that we just see the goodness. I mean, isn't that true? If we focus on good, we'll see the good. How about a better example? If we focus on the negative, what do we do? That's usually our problem today, but then we'll see nothing but God's glory and God's majesty, and we'll be so overwhelmed with what he's doing. All that other stuff will be like, oh, I'm not, not worried about that. Look at what sits before us. And look at this. This is why Revelation 21, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God dwells, dwelling place is now among the people. He's going to be with us. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So God will be right there in front of us. His glory and his majesty. And it seems like nothing else will matter because of what's right in front of us. You see, our final destination is a new earth. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. Because humans were created for what? Yeah, okay, right. All right, we're created for worship God, yes, but what dimension, what rock were we created to live on? Right, humans were created for earth. There's this idea that for some reason we think we're gonna turn into angels. We weren't created for heaven, folks. We were created for earth. Now, I know where everybody gets the idea. It's from this. Jesus says this in Matthew 22. 23 says, In the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given to marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. Now, what Jesus is talking about here is how marriage and sexual relations work in heaven. Now, we can spend a little bit more time on this like on a Wednesday night, but here's the thing. Jesus is stirring up the Sadducees with this one sentence because the Sadducees who's trying to question and trick Jesus didn't believe in angels, nor did they believe in the resurrection. So Jesus just threw them for a loop when he said, oh yeah, both of these things are true. They didn't know how to handle it, system overload. So it's one of those things that you gotta understand how Jesus works, but this isn't talking about we will be like angels in everything. It's directly related to how marriage, because they try to trick them if somebody's spouse dies seven times. You remember that? Yeah, it's one of those things. They try to catch him. He's like, no, no, you're looking at it wrong. But we don't turn into angels in heaven. We don't get harps. That's not what heaven is. 
And nowhere, again, nowhere is the afterlife described as anything like a blissful boredom. And if you read about angels in the Bible, they're nothing like boring creatures at all. Like this idea we get from media or just books or something else, angels, well, when people see angels, what happens? They're fearful. There's nowhere just up there playing a harp. That would be terrible. That would not be heaven at all. And so since we were created for earth, doesn't it make sense that we will live on earth? So trying to figure out what that looks like will be a whole lot easier. And this should cause your brain to start going in overload with excitement. Because one of the clearest, absolute clearest teachings of the Bible is that our bodies will be resurrected. You will not be a spirit floating around. Our literal bodies will be resurrected. So will we have a body in the new earth? Yes. So now, now we can get a little, it's a little bit easier to figure out what we're going to do in heaven, isn't it? We're going to have a body and there's going to be an earth. Where did we see God do something like that? Oh, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, wasn't it? We see new earth and we see people being put on it. So it seems to me the way that God created us for the things he created us for, because he's redeemed those sin issues, we will probably be caught up in doing the things humans were always supposed to do other than multiply. Jesus did say that. So, I mean, God did say that at the beginning. But it looks like we're going to spend eternity enjoying the creator and the creation. You see, a study of Genesis 1 and 2 shows us that work, was work a part of sin? No. They were given work. Sin then had curses upon their work. But human beings were created to work. We were created to live in a relationship with God. There's no reason to think that we won't have those things in eternity, works and purposes and things to do. In fact, we're still going to, well, look at this. Look what Revelation says. Nope. You got Revelation 21, 1 through 2 up there? Okay, well, here's what it says. It says, then an angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the greatest street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of what? Life. There it is again. The tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. The tree of life comes back. Well, what did they do with the tree of life at the beginning? What were they supposed to do with it? Eat to live, correct? So it looks like we're still going to be eating. We're still going to be doing the things that humans were created to do. He's just redeemed us and recreating. He's not transforming us into angels. So be the tree of life. And it seems that we'll be able to explore the earth. Use our creativity in unimaginable ways. Remember, the earth was created good and what God saw was good. And there's no reason to think that that won't be what we're doing in eternity because he tells us he's creating a new earth. And we're going to have new bodies. Which means we don't have to wonder what heaven's going to be like. Although it's interesting. We can wonder, what will this earth look like? What kind of beauty will be here once God's here and sin's wiped away? That's a little bit 
That, that, that blows your mind, doesn't it? What would the Grand Canyon look like then? What will flowers look like then? We were designed for earth, created for earth. He's saying we get a new earth. Guys, folks, that's what we get to dream about. That's what we get to think about. See, I don't know about you, but I plan on going skydiving. I plan on going through the Amazon. And I was thinking about walking through the Amazon and looking to my left. This is how I'm, okay, this is where my mind goes. I'm walking through the Amazon. Oh, I'm lost. I look to the left. There's a 20-foot python. You think they're going to talk? Did they talk at the beginning? Yeah, y'all got to put some creativity. Okay, this is, God has given you creativity. Use it. I mean, what will it be like? I don't know. But I plan on having fun. I finally, I'm going to show up Jessica. I'm going to do triple black diamonds. She's done double black diamonds. I'm going to do trip. I'm going to outski Jessica, new heavens and new earth. That's what I'm doing. Y'all can float around on harps. I mean, that's fine. I'm doing some adventurous stuff. Because isn't that what we do on earth? Aren't, weren't we created to enjoy God and enjoy his creation? Well, unfortunately for some of you, look at this one. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any fishing's not from God. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> there's no fishing and, and okay, maybe there's likes or something. Sorry, fishermen. I just had to throw that out there. I know that's what some of y'all were thinking. But what I believe and what the Bible seems to say is that it's not gonna be boring. It's gonna be nothing but living or, or, or redeemed bodies on a redeemed earth. It will explore and live and just, just have fun. Because this is what really caught my attention. Psalms 145, three says this. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Wayne Grudem brought this up, and here's a quote. I gotta read it to you. It's really helpful to me. It says this. He says, moreover, since God is infinite and we can never exhaust his greatness, that's that song we just read, and since we are finite creatures who will never equal God's knowledge or be omnipotent, we may expect that for all eternity we will be able to go on learning more about God and about his relationship to creation. In this way, we will continue the process of learning that was begun in this life in which a life fully pleasing to him is one that includes continual increasing the knowledge of God. So for all eternity, we will praise God. For all eternity, we will learn about God and his creation. And what I couldn't shake after learning about that is, is basically what we're doing now, what we're supposed to be doing now, is simply preparing you for what you'll do forever. Humans were designed to worship, have a relationship, and learn about God. And what caught my attention is if you aren't interested in worship God, if you're not interested in learning about God, what makes you think you're going to enjoy heaven or eternity at all? Because that's what we're going to do. That's what we were created for. The most thrilling and number one attraction of the new heavens and new earth is God. That's the attraction, folks. That's the tallest roller coaster. That, that is the thing. 
And if you have a relationship with him, that's what should draw you. Not you, but him. He's the one that will sustain us. He is the one that loves us. He is the one who wants us to enjoy him forever. That is what heaven or eternity or new creation or earth, that's what it's about, that we get to be with God and experience him and learn about him. We will spend eternity with him, worshiping and learning about him, which means we can practice it when? Now. See, hopefully this brings together so much of what Jesus said because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Matthew called it. He keeps telling us this is what it looks like. And kingdom of God means the rule of God. This is what it looks like to live under God. This is to look like when God's in charge. That's simply all kingdom means. And as Christians, we are to live in a way to show the world a glimmer of what eternity will be like. That's why unity is so important. That's why what the church does is so important. We are showing the world this, a glimmer. We know we're not perfect, but we're going to show you and we're going to do our best because Jesus has broke through in this world. Jesus has broke through in our lives. And so we're going to use that and do our best to honor and glorify him. And then we as a church together show people what eternity will look like and invite them in saying, come on. This is what it looks like to live with God in charge. This is why it's so important to have a personal relationship with him. We want to be with him. You see, one of the worst things that's happened to theology in the past 100 years, one of the worst things is this idea that we are saved for somewhere out there. That we're just saved for heaven. As if salvation is just about saying a prayer and then we're just waiting on this earth, buying our time to go up there somewhere. And Jesus is often portrayed as not the ruler of the universe, but somebody begging for your acceptance. They call it escapism salvation. Such a small picture. Just say this prayer and you get to go up there one day. Boy, we've missed what the Bible actually teaches. Salvation isn't just about escaping hell or going to heaven. As if our faith does nothing for the here and now. Salvation is much larger than that. We are saved from sin, but we are saved for God. And we are joining the creator on his worldwide mission to redeem this world. Remember, humans were created to reflect God. We were to work on his behalf. And yes, sin broke in. It distorted things. But salvation is about joining God and what he's doing in this world. It's not about me. It's about him and others. And we join him on this mission saying, hey, God's going to make this new. God's going to make this right. God's going to come back. We're going to be with him for ever and ever. Listen, life is not just about going to heaven one day. Life is about living under the rule of God now, which is what you are planning to do for all of eternity. Worshiping him glorifying him, learning about him, and enjoying him and his creation. And that's what our churches should reflect, his goodness and greatness. See, at the end of the day, our afterlife is is simply a choice. We can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and enjoy him now, 
Or we can reject God and spend an eternity without him later. Either way, this life is preparing you for the next. And if we reject God now, there's enough built-in consequences. God has done this for us. Where if you live without God and you live a life of sin, are there consequences? Absolutely. Built into every single sin. You can't escape it. It's just part of it. And those consequences should remind us, you know what? I don't want to do this. You know what? I don't want to live like this. Hold on. This isn't working. But if you choose to live a life without God, God is ultimately going to give you exactly what you want. But that was your choice. We can choose to live a life with him or choose a life completely void of him. And we'll talk about that next week because people were asking questions about hell as well. Because the truth is, Jesus talked far more about hell than he ever did heaven. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you just in awe of who you are, the indescribable God. Father, we thank you so much for giving a glimpse into the future, a glimpse into this new creation and new earth where heaven and earth will be joined together, where you will dwell with us. Father, as we prepare for that, Father, help us. Help us draw closer to you. We ask that your spirit pulls us in tight to rely fully upon you. Father, help show us if we know you. Have we been playing it safe, just trying to get to heaven one day or are we truly truly interested in a relationship with you Father show us in our hearts Father we thank you and love you so much for Jesus we thank you so much for redeeming us and creating us it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray Amen